You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, yoga teacher. Welcome to episode 36, where my guest Amanda Kingsmith from the MB Ohm podcast is here to talk about sales for yoga teachers. Okay, let's be real for a minute. I get that for most yoga teachers, the very last thing we want to think of ourselves as is a salesperson. But sales is an essential skill for any entrepreneur. So if you have an employer who does all the marketing for you and you don't offer any programs on your own, such as retreats or workshops, then you definitely don't need this episode. This episode is for yoga teachers who want more people to sign up for their offerings. They want to have more reach, more impact, and help more people. So if that's you, keep listening because this episode is going to help you understand how to do sales in a way that is compatible with yoga and feels authentic. My guest, Amanda Kingsmith, is a yoga teacher and a yoga business coach based out of Western Canada. She spends most of her time traveling the world with her partner, Ryan, though, and is currently traveling in Mexico and Central America. Amanda came to yoga from a marketing and business background, and she has a degree in marketing from the University of Calgary. She combined her love of business with her love of yoga by starting the MBOM podcast. On the MBOM podcast, Amanda talks to successful yoga teachers to find out how they did what they did, how they structure their business, and what other yoga teachers can learn from them. Amanda also works with yoga teachers individually to create careers that they love, and she helps yoga studios with studio management and digital marketing. Amanda has been exploring the complex relationship between business and yoga for several years since she started the MBOM podcast in 2016. She is smart, she's sincere, and she's very open-hearted. You may be surprised by the connections that she makes between yoga and sales, and hopefully you'll be inspired to improve your skills in this area after listening to her. Let's get started. Today, we're going to talk about a, well, in, in normal life, it wouldn't be a controversial topic, but for yoga teachers, the topic of sales is kind of touchy. Most of us as yoga teachers, we don't start out teaching yoga thinking about the business of yoga. And most of us kind of don't even want to think about the business of yoga. We hope that just by being passionate yoga teachers that the business is just going to kind of fall into our lap and, and success is going to fall into our lap. And maybe that happens for a few people, but for the rest of us, we go about teaching for a few years and we go, okay, <laughs> I think I need to learn more skills on the business side of things if I'm going to make this work. And I know that you and I are both in agreement that sales is one of those skills. Can you tell me a little bit about why you think sales is an important skill for yoga teachers? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I I completely agree with you. I think in my experience as a yoga teacher, working with yoga teachers, it's it's always this topic that people just don't want to talk about. And um, fortunately, I do have a business background and I'd worked in, in corporate for a couple of years and have a Bachelor of Commerce and that sort of thing. So I started pulling from those resources, but it was never something that I ever thought I would have to blend with yoga. Is I never consciously went into teaching yoga being like, oh, I'm going to have to, you know, sell myself. Like I'm going to need these sales skills that I practiced in my sales or selling 101 class in, you know, my fourth year of university and that sort of thing. And I, I think, you know, diving into sales, one of the biggest things that at least I, I kind of had to overcome, and I think a lot of yoga teachers do, is that we think of sales as this really sort of icky, yucky, gross thing. Like everyone can probably think of an example of somebody who sold them something when they didn't want it. You know, it's you're going to pick out the car and you decide on the one they want, the one that you want, and you know, then they're trying to upsell you on the leather seats and the sunroof. And you're like, I just don't want that. Like, stop trying to sell me something that I don't want. Or, you know, you're in the mall and you're in a store just browsing and people are trying to, you know, shove a pair of jeans down your throat. And you're like, I don't want this. Like, if I wanted this, I would pick it up and take it to the to the change room and try it on. And so I think it's really easy to kind of get into our heads that because we came to yoga from the side of passion that you know, we can't be selling it, that we don't want to be selling it, that it's inauthentic to sell it. But I actually think that what we need to do is we need to reframe the way that we look at sales and the way that we think about selling ourselves as yoga teachers and actually start looking at how we can sell ourselves in authentic ways and sell our offerings in a way that feels really authentic and heart-centered to us. And the reason why I think this is is basically exactly what you said. We we go in, we teach, we get more and more classes, we expect to be making more money and be more successful, and we're just finding that we're not. And I think that part of the reason behind that is that we're not being intentional about the selling side of things. I think that you know, the teachings of yoga, the philosophical teachings, they're very ancient and they come from a time that was different. That our expectations for our, our lifestyle were different. And most people who teach yoga, even though they are very, perhaps most of us, very connected to those ancient teachings, we still live a very different life with very different expectations than the people who originated them. So, for example, we, you know, kind of justifiably, we look around and we see other people and we want to have a lifestyle that matches what other, what we see around us. We want to be able to have a cell phone. We want to be able to drive a car. All of these things were not even remotely possible until very recently. And everybody in the world, pretty much, as a whole, our, our lifestyle our wealth has increased in the last hundred years. But with that comes this need to sustain that, this need to feed it. And, you know, I mean, I do think that there are a few people who are truly, truly simple people. Um, But even no matter how simple you think you are, just surviving in the culture that we are in requires resources. 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And I think that it's, it's really interesting kind of diving into sort of the money side of yoga as well as the business side of yoga and money ties really well into business because money is another thing that yoga teachers struggle with. And it's this idea that, you know, we always have to exchange something. So we can just think of it as an energetic exchange. It's like what we're doing is giving a service and in return we need to receive something and in today's day and age it's it's generally money would you say sales is convincing people <laughs> to participate in that transaction i think that sales and yoga is really interesting because we've kind of we've got a couple different tiers of it i think that i guess at the very bottom line it's like you start teaching yoga and most of us are already doing sales whether or not we realize it because it's it's you know when you're you're telling your parents like oh you've got that achy shoulder like you should come to yoga like oh your feet are hurting while you walk like you should come to yoga like that is essentially us selling this thing that we believe so passionately about in because most of us have come to yoga because we have seen the benefits of it and we've experienced the benefits and we want to share it with other people. Like that's why we became a yoga teacher. So we're trying to convince these people who aren't coming to our classes to come. Like most of us can probably relate to like, hey, I'm teaching at this time, like you should really come. Um, and then there's the second sort of, I guess, tier of sales where it's like, you've already got these people in your classes. So at that point, the selling really shifts because these people already know that they love yoga. They already know the benefits of yoga. And what, what you do as a yoga teacher is you tell them about your other classes. You tell them about your other offerings, like maybe your private yoga or workshops you're hosting or retreats. And some people kind of are like, oh, but I don't want to like force that on them. And I absolutely understand that. But I think there's a difference between, you know, the person who comes and like cold calls at your door trying to sell you something you never asked for and like already being in that business and then having somebody just offer you something else. Like it doesn't have to be like, hey, you have to come on my retreat or you can't come to my classes anymore. It can just be a gentle like, hey, you know, I've seen you in classes for the last three months cons consistently and, you know, I'm offering this retreat. I think it'd be a really good fit for you because of X, Y, and Z. Like it can be a sort of, sort of open-ended level of sales. Um, does that make sense? Sure. Would that be considered from more of a business jargon? Would that be considered upselling? Yeah. Yeah. Upselling for sure. Um, and kind of also like, I guess if you're thinking more like there's kind of like that, that cold calling and then that, that warm calling and people who are already in your class are essentially like warm leads. Like they have already raised their hand to, Hey, I would like to be in this, I would like to engage with this. And so you offering them something more, um, obviously in a way that feels authentic to you and that doesn't feel like super pushy is just giving them that opportunity to engage with you more. So that does kind of remind me of the salesperson, you know, you're already buying a car from me. Now do you want this leather package? <laughs> <laughs> you're already getting it. Just get that sunroof. You'll, you'll like that later. So what is the difference? How how can yoga teachers be confident that they're not letting their fear of not having enough send them into creepy territory? Because to be honest, Amanda, we've all seen yoga teachers do that. We've all seen yoga teachers, I mean, at least I think, I, I know I have, on social media selling yoga in a way that's like, oh, I, I don't want to do that. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Have you seen that too? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, social media is kind of a whole beast in of itself because you don't have that like face-to-face interaction. So, I mean, it's, it's something that even with my social media, it's like, I want to find that balance of like, here are some offerings I have and here is like, just, you know, something that's going to make your day a little bit better. Like it's always a balance of like, you know, trying to get somebody to buy something versus like just providing them with a free resource versus just providing something that they just like. And I think that, you know, some people do it well and some people I think maybe like it doesn't come across the best. And I I think that that really does come from not having that face to face. Like so many people are just like, you know, a human behind a screen and all you get is their verbiage and, and their message. And so I think when it comes to something like social media, you do really have to be cautious about the words you're using, the things you're saying, reading it over and being like, if somebody has no idea who I am, like, how does this come across? Is that how I want to portray myself? Yes or no. Um, versus being being in the classes and presenting yourself in a way that's, that's not like, hey, get the sunroof. Um, I think that you know, you can let people know at the end of classes. So like usually, you know, as they're getting ready to put their props away. So we've come out of Shavasana, we've, we've ended the end of class with maybe some, some chanting or, you know, however you like to end it. And then you can say, you know, if you're interested, uh, I have a workshop coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm running a retreat in X location. If you want more information, let me know. Like you don't have to sit there and ramble off like, it's going to cost this much for the double occupancy and we're going to be doing this and this and this. Cause that's where it feels like, okay, like I kind of just want to put my props away and leave, but you can like kind of open that door for them. And then if they want to walk through it, you can allow them to. So even with the, the greasy car salesman, I think there's a difference between if he's asking about, you know, we do have the option for a sunroof. Is that something that you're interested in? If somebody's like, no, I'm good. He's like, okay, great. We'll just proceed as, as is versus like trying to like sneakily push it on you. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. And it reminds me of an episode I did recently about yoga and money where I talked about our grasping, a parigraha. Do we feel like we have this sense of lack? And so we're trying to get somebody to buy something from us or to, you know, to, to participate in our classes, to buy one of our offerings from a place of like, oh my God, I really need this. I really need you to buy this from me Mm -hmm. (laughs) versus I have enough right now. I recognize that, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier about our lifestyle, I recognize that my lifestyle is actually really amazing compared to most people throughout human history. I, I'm confident in myself. I know that I'm going to get the money I need. Maybe it'll be from you if you want this and maybe it won't be so that it becomes an offering of something special that they now have the option to get for themselves that they wouldn't have the option if they didn't know about it versus you like trying to get something from them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. I completely agree with that. And I think you know, just, just thinking about my own life, I, I can really relate to that in, in two different situations. So one is I worked for Lululemon for a couple of years and the way that their commission structure works is on like a, it's like a, a daily goal. So essentially if you make your like daily sales goal as like a team, so it's like everyone who works on the floor that day, like you get paid out for 
you know, the hours that you worked. So it's like you're rooting for your morning team, your afternoon team is rooting for your morning, evening team, everyone's rooting for each other. And I, I think it creates like a really good sort of team environment. But I can definitely relate to the way that I interacted with customers on a day where we were nowhere close to hitting goal versus a day where we were close to hitting goal, but we were like going to close soon versus a day where we were like crushing goal and like really didn't need anyone else to walk through the store. And the, the area where I feel like the most, I guess, like desperation coming through in terms of like, try this on, you should buy this is when it's like you're close, but you're not quite there. And it's like, you really need somebody to buy something. And, and I think that there's a certain energy, like people feel that sort of like, I really want you to have this. And I think people react a lot better to being able to make that choice for themselves. And the second example that, that I have from my personal life with that is starting my businesses and, and starting to work remotely and not making nearly enough money to be, to be comfortable, like making enough money to live, but not to be comfortable and hopping on intro calls with potential clients to work with one-on-one and having to really like hold myself back when it came to that conversation around like how much does it cost? Because it's like, I would want them to sign on so bad that I'd be like, present the price and then kind of present it away. But, but if that doesn't work for you, like we can talk about it type thing instead of just sitting back and like letting there be silence and letting them think about it. And I think that people can really feel that sort of, that sort of like that need, like you really want, somebody to do something. And I think that when you come from a place of being just really comfortable with, you know, your abundance and not coming from a place of lack, it's really easy to just present it like, hey, you know, this is what I offer. This is what you're going to get out of it. This is how much it costs. Are you interested in working together? And then you can just like sit back and, and let them kind of make that decision because you're not coming from a place of like in your head being like, oh my God, if they say no, I can't eat tomorrow type thing. And so I think for yoga teachers who are listening, if this is something that you've experienced and a reason why sales feels awkward, you know, looking at your your relationship with money, looking at your finance structure and, and being realistic with maybe like maybe you just need a part-time job like one day a week. Like there is nothing wrong with that if it takes the stress of paying your bills off of your yoga your yoga career as you built that up. I completely agree, Amanda. And I have, you know, a similar business structure to you, at least in some senses. And when I go into a call like that, even before I start, I remind myself that my goal in that call is to be of service to that person. And so I only make an offer to them if I truly think that I can be helpful to them. If it just doesn't seem like, like I will never make an offer to somebody to work together if it doesn't seem like I'm the right person to help them. Yeah, I, I love that perspective of, you know, it's it's kind of like going into a job interview and it's like you're interviewing that person as much as they're interviewing you, right? Like that person wants to work with you, but you're also looking at like, okay, can I actually like be of service and help you as opposed to just being like, okay, here's like X amount of money per month more in my bank account. And I think that that's, you know, that is the difference when it comes to being authentic and being inauthentic, or at least feeling authentic and feeling inauthentic within within our businesses. Yeah, 
I'm, I'm in this to help people. And if I weren't in this to help people, then I might as well be in a completely different industry because this is not a great industry to like, if I'm just here to make money, I, I really should just stop and I should find a different way to make money because it's not, that's not what we do here. That's not what we're good at. We're good at transforming lives, but there are far more lucrative ways to feed your bank account. Oh yeah. I love what you said earlier about maybe get a part-time job, maybe start a side hustle, you know, find a different way to feed your bank account to the point that you don't, that you can ask yourself every time that you're making some kind of offer to somebody that you're making it because you truly believe it's in their best interest. And I think people really can feel that if you're making an offer, not, you know, of course you want to get paid for your work. That is a given and we need to get paid for our work. But if the reason that you're making an offer to that specific person is because you think it's in their best interest, I think they can feel that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Like, I think it's just the difference in the way that you present yourself. And I think I, I 100% experience that like in a sales role, selling clothing, like there's just a different way of talking to a customer. And I think that, you know, we can all relate to being in situations where people have sold us stuff in probably a way that we didn't even think was sales, because they did it in a way that felt very like, tactful tactful and and not pushy and i i think that that really does come from when you come from a place of service and you come from a place of abundance as opposed to a place of lack like i just think there's a different way that we present our words there's a different there's a different sort of like way that we carry ourselves a different energy around it and i think that that's the biggest thing when it comes to selling ourselves as yoga teachers like you're going to feel completely different about letting your you know, people on your mailing list or letting the people on who are coming to your classes know about an upcoming retreat you have. If you feel confident in, you know, if this retreat doesn't sell, it's not the end of the world for me. Or I'm confident that I'm going to get five people and I don't need anyone in this room to sign up. I would love if they did, but I, I, I don't need it. Like there's just a totally different way of actually presenting it. And I think that I think it's it's really hard to trick ourselves with those things too because I think that like like I've definitely tried this like being on an intro call with somebody and being like okay you don't need this you don't need this and then there's like this little part of my brain that's like but you kind of do need this money and so I think we actually do have to come from a place of of abundance in order to not kind of present it that way if if that makes sense if you don't believe that what you're offering is truly transformative, then it's going to be really hard to do sales in an authentic way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, to touch on sort of like abundance and, and money mindset, I think that, you know, we all come from a different background and we all have, you know, a different past and none of us have walked, you know, the same two paths and none of us can know what, what, each other has, has gone through. Like I've, you know, I've never been a single mom. Um, you know, I've had my, my own path that's taken me in a different direction. And I think that from, from my experience with money is like, we, we really need to understand where our mindset is with it. And we need to understand what our, I call it like the money story. 
like all of us were told something different about money growing up. We've had different influences from society. We've heard the messages of society differently. We've had different experiences that have led us to believe different things. And I think that a, a big part of sales and the business part of yoga is is doing the inner work to kind of understand, you know, where we come from and what we believe and what we define as, you know, abundance or authenticity, you know, that's going to be different for all of us. And I think that a lot of that is like coming from within and deciding, you know, what does that mean to me? How do I define this? What do I think of this? And that's like really, that's a really, really important part of, I think, this journey in order to, to present the things that we do have to say and the things that we do have to offer in in a way that feels good to us because that's my whole belief around sales is that like sure sales could be icky for yoga too but sales doesn't have to be icky because like you said we feel passionate about it like most people don't do a yoga teacher training just for fun most people do it because they've had some sort of maybe not profound, but some sort of positive impact from yoga. Like, I think there's that moment where you're like, wow, like this is helping me in whatever way I need right now. And that's the reason why you, why you come to it. And I worked for this skincare company as like a summer intern while I was in university a couple of years ago. And part of, I worked on their marketing team and had to do like cold calls. And then they also got me to sign up as a consultant in some sort of, I think it was some sort of like pyramid scheme. And I just remember like, it never felt good. Like I, I just did the cold calls because that was a part of my job. And, you know, I wanted to do the job well, but with the whole consultant thing, I was like, you know what, like, I really don't want to like push these products on people. Like if a product is good, it'll, it'll sell itself. If somebody's interested, they'll ask me about it. And I don't want to like start Facebook messaging people about skincare products. Like I'm just not that stoked on it. And so I think that, you know, part of being able to sell out programs and sell out retreats is, is believing in what we do. Like we do have to be really passionate about it because otherwise it just feels like really not good to be like, Hey, come, come buy this thing, come spend your money on this thing. Like there's the part of me that just feels like, like it, when I think about selling skincare products, for example, is just like, nah, like you'll find the stuff that works for you. If you're interested in what I'm using, you'll ask. And, you know, that's, that's kind of where I end it with my sales there. So yeah, definitely like a complex sort of topic with a lot of different sides to it, you could say. That leads me to the question of different people have this different sense of self-worth. So there are some people who basically graduate from teacher training and feel like totally ready to be offering deep retreats and expensive private sessions. And they just immediately seem to have a sense of being ready to offer things and being worthy of being paid for those things. And other people will teach for decades and will still have these feelings of lack and not being ready and, oh, I need another training. I need another certification. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it makes me think about two yoga teachers who are both both friends of mine that I, I taught with when I lived in Atlanta. And one of them had been teaching for a couple of years. She's, you know, keeps her social media private. She's not like her Instagram. She's not on Facebook. Uh, she didn't have a website at that point. And she was never like I would never use like in your face as a way to describe her, like just somebody who is very much like the people who show up are here to do the work and I'm going to teach them to the best of my ability. And she teaches mostly private yoga now. And a lot of that came really, really organically for her versus this other yoga teacher that I know who she's like immediately when you meet her, like, you know that she's like charismatic. She's got a big personality. She started an Instagram account and, and got a pretty big following really fast. She started a website right away. She started teaching, you know, all over the city. Like I would just see her in all these different places. And I, I just think that those are two examples of two people who are successful with with their own businesses, but doing it in a really different way. And I think that the way that they're doing it, neither is right, neither is wrong. I think it just comes from both of them being different people like they're just approaching it completely differently and I, I mean we're we're all different from you know just just as we are like our personalities are all different so we perceive things differently but then we all have a different past and I think that you know again I think it comes back to doing that inner work so maybe that's getting on your mat and doing your practice maybe it's meditation maybe it's journaling maybe it's another form of movement you know whatever it is that's doing that inner work i think we need to get clear on who we are what's important to us and that'll help us kind of like point the compass you could say in the direction that we need to go with our business and i i think that with an online world, everyone's kind of feels a little bit in your face all the time. Like it's really easy to go on Instagram and see this highlight reel of everyone else's life and feel like, oh, I'm not living my best life or maybe there's something wrong with what I'm choosing to do. And I think that there's a balance between, you know, comparison and gathering inspiration because a place like Instagram can also be a great place to get some inspiration or some motivation for what you're doing. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like you need to put your head down. You need to do that work, that inner work, and kind of decide like where do you want to go with what you're doing? And I think that that'll help direct people a little bit more and, and a little bit better, I guess you could say. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's sort of where my thought process went with that. No, I love that. That's great advice. And it it makes a lot of sense to me. Basically, each of us is charged with making peace with who we are and making the most of who we are. And we're not all going to be, you know, charismatic. We're not all going to have the same skill set. The only way to move forward in a productive way is to focus on, okay, what am I good at? Let me focus there. Where are the gaps that I can fill knowing that the places we have gaps are never going to be our strength, right? That's never going to be where we surpass others. <laughs> that's, that's not going to be our like major offering. We need to focus on where we are strong and then, you know, only just try to like put some mortar into the cracks of the places that are just not our strengths. So I love that. I love that advice. It's really, it's, it's, beautiful and profound. I think that I can definitely relate to feeling like, okay, you know, there's things that I'm naturally 
more inclined to things that I'm naturally better at. And then there's things that maybe aren't my strong suit. And I think that, you know, we live in like an information world now, like we have everything that we could possibly ever want to learn at literally like at our fingertips with our devices. And I, I think there's a lot of opportunity to, you know, if you want to kind of move into your weaknesses, there's lots of places to learn, which is really cool. Or there's the opportunity to kind of like hire somebody to help you. So, you know, going back to that example that you talked about, the the yoga teachers that teach for decades and, and never really have maybe that like, quote unquote, success, I think we all need to define success for for ourselves. Um, But maybe they're, they're not filling programs, and maybe they're not offering more than classes. And if they want to, I think that's the biggest thing. Like maybe they've defined success as as just teaching, you know, 10 classes a week and making enough money to kind of get by and doing something else on the side or whatever it is. But if they're they're at a point where they're kind of grappling with themselves being like, you know, I'd really like to do more with this, but I just don't know how, you know, there's so many people that can can help with that nowadays, which is which is really, really cool. Like that's one of the things that I love about being alive in like 2018, 2019 is that we can meet anyone on the internet who could help us with the things that are not necessarily our strong suit. So instead of struggling with these things or we don't feel like we have the time or the ambition to learn it, we can always reach out to somebody else and get them to help us. So Amanda, break it down for us. As a yoga teacher who is thinking, okay, I am ready to up my sales game a little bit. Where would they start? I think that, you know, we've we've talked a lot about this inner work. And I think that that's the first place that you need to turn. Like before you go to any books or courses or reaching out to somebody to help you with sales, I think turning inwards and doing that work is really important. Like really defining what you want. So defining success, looking at, you know, your, your money mindset, like, are you ready to make money? Do you want to make money? Is it something that's important to you? And yes or no is totally fine. I think that that's the thing that we get really hung up on is like you sit down and you you meditate on wanting to have a successful retreat and you think about like, oh wow, making 10 grand would like really be awesome. And then there's some, there's this immediate like guilt for a lot of people like, oh, but I didn't get into this for money. It's okay to want to make money. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think that there's a, a, a big sense of freedom when we actually admit that to ourselves. And when we say like, oh, you know, I would like to make money off of this. That's amazing. If you are going into it not wanting that, that, that's okay too. So I think that it's really getting clear on kind of like, what is it that you want out of your career? And what is going to make you feel amazing? What is going to make you feel successful? What do you want when it comes to money? And then from there, being really clear on that can kind of allow you to look at what's next for you. So just going with the retreat example, if, you, if you've done that inner work and you've decided, okay, I want to lead a retreat, I want to make X amount of money off of this, but I have no idea where to start. I think then that's where you can start turning to different resources. There's so many different podcasts, there's different Facebook groups, there's tons of different books on how to up your sales game. You could read sales books for your entire life and not finish reading all the sales books. So getting a little bit of education, if you're if you're still struggling on how to do it, maybe hiring somebody for a coaching session or purchasing a course or something like that, like invest in yourself a little bit. Because I think that often we need to invest in order to uh, kind of hit that next level of success, if that's what we're looking for. Um, And then from there, actually, 
going through and, and applying the things that we're learning. So some of the things that I think can be really beneficial for yoga teachers who are looking to up their sales games are uh, having a website if you don't have one, uh, getting social media accounts so there's somewhere that people can find you online, having an email newsletter so that you can let people know about your upcoming offerings and let them know when you're teaching classes, you can start talking to people about it. So maybe it's a gentle letting them know after class. Maybe it's the people that stay and kind of chat with you. You kind of let them know. Maybe it's, you know, starting a Facebook event or a private Facebook community to kind of host this event through. Like there's there's tons of different ways that you can actually go about it. And I think that with each step as you're doing it, it's always coming back to that inner work, like checking in, like, how does this make me feel? Does it make me feel unauthentic or is it just making me feel uncomfortable? Because if you haven't been putting yourself out there, the moment you start doing it, it's going to feel uncomfortable. And I think what we need to check into is the difference between discomfort and unauthenticity. And we know immediately, like we've, we've kind of both talked about how like, you know, when you're selling something you're not passionate about, or you don't believe in or that you don't feel good about. So it's always just coming back to like, do I feel good about this? Do I believe in this? Am I going about this in a way that is representative of who I am and who I want to be? And I think that, you know, just kind of continuing with that, you'll see You'll, you'll kind of get to a point where you, where you want to be based on how you've defined what you wanted right from the... One thing that I think is interesting is that the idea and the, like, before you put yourself out there, that's when you feel the discomfort. But once you're actually doing it, and then especially once it's over, it actually feels really good to have taken a risk. Yeah, I think that most of our growth comes from that like outside of our comfort zone area. Uh, it's like anything, like anything that we we do feels scary and it feels kind of hard. And then we do it and we're like, oh, wow, that actually wasn't as scary as hard, as scary and hard as I made it out to be in my mind. And uh, the more we do it, the easier it gets to be. And I think that we just have to kind of get over that initial hump of fear and then we're like, oh, okay, it's actually not that scary to let people know about, you know, a retreat after class. And then somebody comes and talks to you about it. And you're like, oh, people are interested in this. And it's this sort of like mind blowing uh, experience where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm on the right path doing the right thing. Absolutely. On this podcast, I like to offer some kind of inspired action that the listeners can take each week. Do you have any ideas or thoughts for some homework for them for this week? Ooh, that's a good question. I think that doing, just getting a little taste of that inner work be, would be really good. So um, I really like to journal as my form of sort of inner work, but I know everyone's different. So what I would encourage you to do is to, I would, I would sit down and I would think about what does success mean to me? What is one thing that I'd really love to have in my business or to do with my business or to do with my teaching if you don't necessarily feel like you have a business? What is one thing that is holding me back right now? And be, and be honest with yourself. And then I guess one other thing that I think would be really great with that would be, you know, what is my relationship to money and, and how do I feel about money? So I think those would be the four questions that I would encourage people to, you know, sit, meditate on those or, or do it through movement or write them down and actually just journal about them. And I think that you'll have kind of a different perspective on your business and especially from like a self-promotion sales standpoint after that. Yeah, I really like the journaling because then you have a record of it afterwards. 
I think it's lovely to do a lot of self-inquiry in, in silent meditation, but there's something different that happens when you write it down where it, it's, you know, it's not like you write it down and it's true forever, but you write it down and then there's some way that you've, you've actually released it from your brain by putting it somewhere else. Totally. I find that it's a lot easier for me to kind of like escape my thoughts when I just sit and meditate. Like it's a lot easier for me to be like, oh, that was fleeting and now it's gone versus like sitting down and forcing myself to write about it or sitting down and I guess encouraging, not forcing, but sitting down and just being like, I'm going to write for 10 minutes and seeing what comes out is totally different than like, I'm going to sit down and just think for 10 minutes. Um, but yeah, I, I think everyone's a little different. So that that's, I'm definitely in that camp as well. I would love for each of you to think of one way that you can put yourself out there in a way that will be of service to others. So is there something that you can share about yourself, your practice, or an offering that you have that you believe very deeply is going to help other people? And you could do that by sending out an email to your list. You could write a blog post. You, if you have a podcast, you could do a podcast episode about it or a really great <laughs> and very vulnerable thing to do is you could do a Facebook live about it. I love that. That's amazing. Well, Amanda, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really, really appreciate it. How can people find out more about you? Thank you for having me on. This has been been super awesome to kind of dive into this topic and uh, definitely open for any questions if people have them. Um, you can reach me at info at mbomyoga.com. Uh, my website is www.mbomyoga.com. Uh, you can find my podcast. It's MBOM or Mastering the Business of Yoga on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere that you find your podcast. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Mastering the Business of Yoga, and I have a private Facebook Facebook community called Yoga Business Badasses. So those are all great places to find me. Awesome name, Amanda, I have to tell you, because ever since I saw, I joined your community, I'm in it, right? And the name will sometimes just kind of run through my head. So I'm like, that must be a really, really awesome name. <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was like a little bit uncertain of it at first. And then it was, this was this whole like, oh, should I start a private Facebook group? So many other people are already doing it. And then I didn't just want to call it mastering the business of yoga. And I was brainstorming with my boyfriend and he's like, call it yoga business badasses. And I was like, what if people like don't want to be business badasses? And he's like, you don't want them in your group then. And I was like, yes, you are right. <laughs> so thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Amanda. I will include all the links to Amanda, the many, many different places you can find Amanda in the show notes. And I'll also, Amanda, I'll add you to my Facebook group if you're not already on there because a lot of my listeners are and uh, so that you can answer questions there too. Amazing. Thank you so much. Okay. That conversation was way more interesting than I thought it would be. I don't shy away from topics that are more on the boring side because I'm committed to giving yoga teachers the tools that they actually need to be successful. But a lot of times I'm surprised by how some of the aspects, some of the elements of growing our business end up helping us grow as people and end up being a lot more interesting and valuable than we think at first glance. Last year, one of my first episodes was a comparison between teaching yoga full-time as your only job and part-time with another way to pay the bills. 
In that episode, I talked a lot about the benefits and drawbacks of being an entrepreneur and why full-time yoga teachers need to think of themselves as entrepreneurs. That's episode eight, if you want to go back and listen. What I discovered about myself is that being an entrepreneur really suits my personality, but it has been a long journey to get here. First, I needed to simply wake up to see myself that way. And then I was able to see where I wasn't living up to the role. And ultimately, I was able to realize that it wasn't that I wasn't living up to it because I wasn't good at it. It was simply that I didn't know what I didn't know. Yoga teacher trainings are so lacking in any kind of guidance on how to run a yoga business. And you do your best with what you know. When you know better, you do better. And so that's part of what this podcast is about, is helping open your eyes to what you might already be good at that will help you thrive as a yoga teacher and as a person. Because when we're yoga teachers, we're so invested in what we do that thriving in our business is intimately connected with thriving in our lives. I'm really, really grateful to the yoga teachers who've booked strategy sessions with me and have signed up for coaching packages with me. Every day that I get to go to work and my work is helping yoga teachers thrive, that is an amazing day. I I literally, so in the middle of the day, I will take a break to meditate and I'll have tears streaming down my face. I will be crying at how beautiful it is to get to do this work and to get to support yoga teachers and and to get to watch you guys and the service hearts that you bring to your work. Being a yoga teacher can get pretty lonely. Sometimes our friends and our family don't understand our mission, don't understand our vision, and some even make us feel badly about our choices. While we can commiserate with our fellow yoga teachers, Understandably, they tend to be more concerned with their own business and they don't usually have answers because they're struggling too. The great thing about working with a coach is that you've paid them to be 100% focused on your business and your concerns, your vision. So they do not have the emotional investment that might cloud their judgment, but they're deeply committed to your best interest. I've seen in my own work, in my own life, that this is a really powerful combination. When I get finished with a session with a client, I get these, this inspiring feedback that it makes me want to help every single person that I can. Recently, for example, I worked with a yoga teacher who was already clear on her niche. And for a lot of people, that's where we have to start because they often have one, but they just don't even can't articulate it yet. So this woman was clear on her niche and she knew how to articulate it, but she felt really stuck about how to pursue it. She had tried a few things, they hadn't worked, and she didn't have, she wasn't able to step beyond sort of her first thoughts of how to do this. During our session, we laid out a plan for her to follow that was in line with what she wanted to do, but outside the box of what she had already thought of for herself. At the end of the call, she told me about how she'd felt so stuck coming on the call 
and felt surprised by how many ideas were now flowing through her, how she felt almost overwhelmed with ideas and inspiration. That is what I get to see every day that I work with yoga teachers. When you commit to yourself and your business by working with a coach, things start to flow and possibilities begin to open up that you hadn't even considered. Just like Amanda talked about in the podcast, I am willing to share this with you and I'm willing to ask you to consider working with me because I believe in what I'm doing. If I was not witnessing the transformation that yoga teachers are receiving through this work with my eyes and my ears, I would not be able to do this. To be completely honest, I'm not the only one out there capable of providing this transformation. This work is an amazing match for my skill set and my life experience and my passions. But there are a lot of other incredibly talented business coaches out there, and Amanda is one of them. Also, Shannon Crow, who was on the podcast last year to talk about cooperation among yoga teachers as a business strategy. And I'll include links to all of our websites in the show notes. I trust that whoever you choose, whether it's myself, Amanda, Shannon, or someone else, that's going to be the right fit for you in the moment. Most of all, I just want to encourage you to take yourself seriously as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, and be willing to invest in yourself, be willing to invest in your vision. That's all for today. I hope you have an amazing week where you create time for some of the inquiry that Amanda recommended, where you stay steady with your personal practice and you push beyond the edges of your comfort zone in some small way. Thank you so much for listening.